Welcome to Translating Infinity. They are communicating. Have we forgotten how to listen? You gotta take this higher! It is something that cannot be broadcast and comprehended within the bandwidth of consciousness that you have adapted to. You must do some reaching. You must choose, you must want to feel and remember what you are connected to. Welcome to Episode 2 of Translating Infinity. I am your host, Eileen Meyer. This is where I share with you how I was visited by what appeared to be non-human others. They guided and changed me over the course of my life. A magnetic, feeling intelligence visited me through dreams, out-of-body experiences, and hundreds of conscious contact downloads of a very different kind of data. I had to learn to adapt to it, engage with it, and eventually translate it. This intelligence has been teaching me and also delivered a simple emotional awareness tool to heal and activate more of what they refer to as humanity's original design. They taught me that life as a universal being is an ever-expanding and conscious conversation. And love is the force that guides us, not only through recovery from living in a kind of unconscious, atrophied state, but as we adapt to this grace, we begin to understand and live as we were designed in conscious connection with all. That short clip you heard in the intro was taken from a 45-minute recorded transmission on August 27, 2018. I will share more of it later in the podcast. The messages have always come over my lifetime, whether it was guiding me in the mundane or it was hinting at what was to come. In the coming times, I would translate, when everything would make far more sense. I knew innately that our context would change, and in that larger context, everything they were pouring into me would not only make more sense to me, but perhaps be helpful to us in some way. I developed a love-hate relationship with words. With all the data that poured through this energy, layer upon layer of it, I was left trying to hammer what felt like infinite spheres of data into meager little word squares. There must have been some moment, I don't remember exactly when, something clicked inside and I knew that I had to externalize it and share this with others. It was too much for me to be alone with. I had no need to translate it to myself because it was instant understanding to me through pure feeling, knowing inspiration. It guides, it loves, it longs to create, it longs to co-create with us. But it also began talking past me, like to an audience. 
these lectures or teaching downloads about how things would change, about the enormous potential for humanity to remember who they actually are. In fact, this inner presence rarely spoke to me directly as the human. It felt like I was part of this group. Oh, and I was also informed that there were many others like me here with this similar intent or mission to mutate, if you will. Some did not make it. Institutionalized, substance abuse, suicide. It's a tough life. And because I can deeply relate, I honor those who tried. I honor all of you. Because in truth, we all came here at this timing with equal potential to remember. Over the past week, I've been sifting through my documented life in the form of paper and digital journals. This was a constant, as far back as I can remember. I felt driven from within to document my life. Right now, I'm zeroing in on the late 80s into the mid-90s. My heart breaks, actually, reading her words. The version of me that had to endure the confusion, the fear, the judgment, the pain of being so very different and being an utter failure in playing the game here. But I still kept trying to be normal. I had a job, family, friends, activities. I started to sing publicly in a variety of bands in San Diego, California. That helped a lot. People in bands get to be unusual. <laughs> Artists are given more leeway to be an original, to build, design, and to talk and sing about strange things. That song was actually written from a poem I scratched out after a pretty big contact event in May of 1991. That trip out my bedroom window was a turning point for me. Eventually, I took the poem Descend on Me to the seven-piece original band I was in at the time, along with the melody and a few guitar chords. I didn't play guitar. My hands just located the sounds and progression. I loved my time with this musical group. Along with our eclectic repertoire of originals and covers, we started performing all over Southern California. Then the song made it onto our first and only album, Modern Peasants. And at the time, I don't think many people actually caught on to the lyrics about E.T. abduction. While I am doing my best to build chronologically in these episodes, I no longer have a relationship to time as I remember having in the before world. In my awareness now, everything seems to be happening at once. When we remove time from the equation, everything seems to merge and, and we access what we need to know when we need to know it. Some of us have been slowly evolved over time and are adapting to this new way of being. In the past few years, it's been validated more times than I can count. The frequency downloads, that is, 
the messages that inform me there were many of us here. Lately, we've begun finding each other in synchronistic ways. Synchronicities seem like magic to us as we climb out of this construct, but really they are the signs that we are embodying and resonating with more of our available consciousness, something that they said was our natural state. The ancient Maya pointed to a greater incoming galactic light at this timing, as reflected in their calendars and architecture. This is the time of the new sun. This transition started on December 21st, 2012. I'd like to introduce you to my dear friend, teacher, and soul traveler in this life, Eduardo Griego Gonzalez. He is a Mayan achich, or priest, as they say. I asked Eduardo to tell us what the elders say about this time we are in, and also about the disinfo campaign that many were swept into back in 2012. Well, as, as we've discussed before, I, I, I guess I, what I'd really like to clear up is that I practiced um, for four years um, the actual teachings of the elders in Guatemala and in Central America. And not once did I ever hear any Mayan elder, either a, an Ahki or a, a, a teacher, none of them would ever have ever talked about the long count coming to an end. The, in fact, the long count is nothing more than a counting of days, years, cycles of time that our planetary system, our solar system, uh, is moving through space in a long, drawn-out cycle of time that it takes for our solar system to move once around the central sun, our central sun, uh, in the Pleiades. And they would discuss it as the time that we would make uh, an entrance back into the new sun. Not once was it ever discussed as the end uh, of the planet or the end of the world, so to speak. It was, it was talking about uh, a huge shift in human consciousness. The teachings of these elders was that we make this journey, this cycle of time, this 25,920-year cycle, um, and we've done it over and over and over as we rotate and move through our, our galaxy. And our central sun, which we here in the New World we call Alcyon, uh, they refer to as Hun Hunakpu, uh, is where our sun, Akpu, um, Hun Hunakpu is the first first sun, Hunakpu is our sun, was uh, created and has in this family of suns that rotate around uh, Alcyon, the central sun, we make one large movement around those seven other suns that are closer to Alcyon than we are. And that was the recognition that we would be uh, moving through this cycle and we would get to this point where we would enter back into a time of the new sun. And apparently, uh, there is 
scientific information to justify that we would move through the darkness, uh, this time of being in the darkness, back into a time of light, which is apparently the photon belt that uh, is produced by Alcyone. And as our solar system moves back into this light, it would be called or referred to as the entrance back into the new sun. So not once did we ever talk about uh, having an end of the, the world, or, or there was never any discussion at all about that, and that on December 21st, 2012, something else would happen, that our sun would rise in the dark rift of the Milky Way. And as our sun rose into that dark rift, it was called and referred to by the elders as when our sun goes through the hoop on the grand fall court of the cosmos. And that was a sign that we had completed this 25,920-year cycle and we had entered back into a new cycle, a new time, a new, um, the beginning is what they referred to it as, the beginning of our new sun. And do you remember some of the symptoms or events or things that they said would happen to us? What would we experience? Well, according to the elders that I studied with, they said that human beings would begin to remember who we are, that our DNA would be activated by this new light, this photon light that was coming from Alcyone, that human beings would begin to understand that we are so much more than we have ever been told, and that we are, in fact, light beings, that we are beings of light. And we're living in these physical bodies. These are our spacesuits, so to speak. And that uh, this all would begin to create a new awareness. And some have even said that parts of our brains that we have lost, uh, we've gone to sleep, so to speak, in their teaching, would be awakened. And it was like an, a, re a reawakening of a part of ourselves that had been sleeping for thousands of years. The messages have said that the body is, a, is like a musical instrument. It's, it's light, too. It's made of light, too. Um, it just has more of a density, you know, in this um, dimension. But that once we reactivate this uh, light within us, which is our natural state, <clears throat> then this would help us move in this direction. Not, not help us, it would we would restore us to to live and move and have our being in um, this natural state. The teachings that were given to me uh, always referred to us humans as light beings. We are light, as you said, just like our earth has a light in its center and our sun is a light in the sky. Uh, we are like that. We are light beings. And that this time that we would be entering into uh, was referred to once on this Monument 6 of Tortuguero as uh, the time when uh, a being they referred to as uh, Bolon Oki would descend to the house, which if we take that and try to understand what these words mean in English, uh, it, it, could have, it could be everything from a, a comet to a new light that would be shining upon us. 
that we would we would receive here on planet Earth to this house. So there was some interesting. Um, the word mysterious is used to describe what these messages were on this monument. Uh, but we know now that it was actually just a recognition that this time would be uh, 13 Batun uh, and then 0000, zero, zero, zero Katun, Tun, Winal, and Kieh, or Day. And then on that particular day of December 21st, 2012, it would be referred to as For Akpu or For Ahau. So what we understood was that, that at that time, something big was going to be happening in our uh, star system, in our system. And that's when we now know scientifically that's when the sun, our sun, Akpu, rose in the dark rift of the Milky Way. And we all are aware of now, of course, that the end did not happen. There was no end. It was simply the beginning of another Bakhtun. So we're living in the 13th Bakhtun and plus, 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 as far as the number of cartoons, tunes, and so forth that the Maya used in their long count dating system. We're, we're looking at stone stele, stone monuments that were put into the earth to record dates that would be coming in the future by people looking at the stars, looking at the movement of our planet through the solar system, and then our solar system moving in the large movement around our central sun. And everything was in their world was based on the predictions of where the planets were going to be on certain days, uh, where our sun would rise. And so it was all based on uh, their understanding of scientifically not, I mean, we now know that they were accurate in all of their descriptions of where these planets were. If we take a look at the Dresden Codis, for example, which was kept away and hidden uh, for many years from uh, many people, although those who really wanted to look at it and try to understand and study the Dresden Codis, it was the oldest Mayan book uh, ever discovered. And it was discovered in Dresden, Germany at the end of World War II. And this information uh, proves that they knew where the sun was, where it was going to rise, when it was going to rise. And they had all of this information on not only our sun, but Venus and all the other planets in our solar system. So these ancient people we call the Olmec and Maya and other indigenous people of the Americas were very... Uh, precise in their scientific information about the planetary movements and our solar system movements around the central sun. How did they know this? How were they so accurate? I don't think any of us really know other than uh, this information was there and it was in the Dresden Codex so that people could go and look at it and see. And over the years, many other transcriptions and translations were made about the Mayan writings and what they mean. And in every case, we now know that they were accurate. Scientifically, we know. So none of the teachers that I ever studied with or listened to 
ever spoke of a time coming when the end of the world would occur. It was always about the end of a cycle and the beginning of this new cycle when human beings would remember again who we really are, that we would be activating our DNA again in a way where our DNA is connected to the sun, uh, to this new light, the photon belt that's uh, produced by Elcyon, this new light would now be affecting us and everything on the planet. So this is what they would be talking about to me as a student of this Maya, of Mayan teachings. And that's what I learned. Thank you, Eduardo. There will be a lot more about the intersection of our lives shortly after the turn of the century when we met in Santa Fe, New Mexico. This will weave into time travel experiences, dreams, and downloads about the extraordinary and sacred lands of Chaco Canyon, New Mexico. Please know that I may repeat myself throughout these episodes just as they did to me over my lifetime. From my vantage point today, I see the wisdom in this. The ego has a tendency to assess the data too quickly and push uncomfortable stuff away. The very stuff that could initiate healing and life-transforming events in consciousness. Why does the ego steer us away from transformation? From my experience, I would say that we are deeply programmed to be deathly afraid of the unknown. All we know is if we don't keep up with the charade of this consensus world, if we do not defer to the external authorities and laws of said world, we will not have the resources to survive and live and care for our families. It's just the way the world works, right? Generations of our ancestors made the same choice. This fear and denial of our true nature keeps us trapped inside this cyclical roller coaster ride of deep pain and misunderstanding about who we really are. As I outlined in episode one, even though I easily felt this tonal web of resonance as a child, I too began to ignore it. More and more, I lost touch with the knowing, this music of my being, the language of the heart the language of resonance. As I look back over my journals, it's very clear to me that I had help, and a lot of it. Even though over time, my eyes were getting heavier as I gradually fell into the same hypnotic spell of the smaller spectrum thinking. They were my constant interrupters throughout my life. They, or we, seemed to have a mission, though. For me, it was like a cosmic project to keep me from falling back into the pit of forgetfulness, like a doctor might do for one who has suffered a concussion. Keep them awake, or they may slip into the coma of consensus forever. Throughout the arc of contact, I was also being schooled in the limitations of language. Language sits on the surface of our consciousness and many times can act as a barrier gatekeepers to the deeper wisdom and understanding that we are absolutely wired to access. For example, when I would share my felt direct experiences with those I trusted, 
whether warranted or not, I would watch the auto-scripting programs kick in. Literally, I could watch it in their eyes. I noted that they were relieved when religious or scientific dogma-oriented words were used. The terminology seemed like little hits of heroin. Ah, words that I know. Back in control. No anxiety, no panic from feeling the unknown. I've noted that the ego is like an apathetic triage nurse at times that has little interest in depth or multidimensionality. Its job is to quickly categorize all data into a mental flowchart that explains and or justifies the chosen frame or belief system and its entire way of organizing the life. If we are sharing things that are outside of the approved data systems, I note that the eyes begin to run a different script. It searches for the data it was programmed with to defend the fortress of existing known files. This is when we will hear the familiar scripted language of that's crazy, or that's the devil talking. Be afraid, be very afraid. Of course, there are many more layers and lines of defense that I could elaborate on, but in the interest of time, I'll move on. At this stage of intersectional potentiality or awakening of humanity, I've noticed that I am unable to give the level of attention or energy that I used to to those who have settled into or chosen the cult of fear, whether consciously or unconsciously. My attention now is with the connected creative ones who are blazing new pathways into a more holistic world and way of being, or what the Maya referred to as the new sun that is occurring now. If we remember the language of the internet, not the internet, but the internet, we reactivate our dormant technologies within our form. People say they want contact with ETs and other so-called extraterrestrial or terrestrial or interdimensional beings. Yet instead of valuing what many experiencers are reporting, like their own evolving, changing consciousness as a result of contact, we watch the programming kick in. It's like they need to maintain power and control over the given scripts and narratives, or to rewrite these scripts, but still within the containment of this reality. They expect these other beings to validate their conclusions, born from limited points of view. In fact, this multidimensional intelligence will not enable us to stay where we are. They are here to trigger our ancient future memories. I will confidently say, from my own experience with these transformations in consciousness, that those beings connected to this frequency field of love will never make full contact in the external world, until, that is, we are reoriented to our natural, consciously connected to the field, self. This is when our external world will reflect our wholeness. Right now, what we are seeing is a reflection of fragmented madness. There are many more layers of communication that are not even penetrating the programmed linear mind. They can't get past the scripts. 
or even the constant rewrites that are feverishly written to satisfy the ego director instead of the divine within, especially when we are speaking of what we call otherworldly beings and related phenomenon, or even our very own creator, which I am looking forward to exploring in future episodes. You see, when we continue to judge and project the fault into persons, places, and things in the external world, we keep the deeper truth at bay. And that's a choice. The fault or break in the foundation is within our consciousness. We need to both own that and surrender to a greater power and context that informs the heart. It's called love. The presence revealed itself in many forms throughout my life, and it taught, or rather demonstrated to me, that the shift of attention from outer to inner is our number one priority. Everything else is a distraction. So if we are looking to anything or anyone to fully connect the dots for us from out there, we will forever ride this cyclical roller coaster. And like an addict, constantly search for the distraction action of the ego mind. Thank you for listening to what I have to share. At this time, I'd like to offer more of the 2018 downloaded message that I played at the top of the episode. You are not a sinner. And you are not disconnected from your source in actuality. In these times, you will be pressed further. You will feel the pressing in, in your own personal choosing time. If you know love, if you feel the love of your creator in actuality, you will simply resonate with this, even though all the world seems to be crumbling down and making less and less sense. You will know the truth that sets you free, for you will be resonating with it as you shift and transcend out of a reality that no longer serves you, for you are vibrating in love. So yes, this does take great courage and resolve to stay in love, no matter what. All of the old laws that you once obeyed, that are not based in what is natural, they will grow to be more confining due to your increase in fear and your demand that you be kept safe and protected from the scary world. On the other hand, you may trust in this feeling based frequency, intelligence, source that need not be further defined but must be further felt to be understood. 
And once it is felt, you remember, the unknown has always been framed as bad or scary or where the devil works or whatever ways it has been framed to keep you small, to keep you from exploring beyond all that you've been told. This is occurring in stages, if you will. Your values will shift significantly. Ultimately, you will release the rest of your value to those who will keep you alive in their system, let us say. Or you may remember your own inherent value. The expanse, the beauty, the grace of who you are. And live from this knowing, courageously stepping into what is true about you, even though largely unknown. Follow your heart is good advice at this time. But one must know their heart, not just think that they know their heart. Follow your heart. It is your beacon. It is your connection to all that is. When you come to the place of conundrum, paradox, and there will be many, return to this light in your heart. You may even say out loud, I do not understand what is happening here. But what I do know is that I am connected to this love and I feel this love. And I am this love, even though nothing makes sense in my outer reality. I stay here with this vibration that I know is the truth. So this is your tether of light. It is in your feeling nature. You must know your connection to feeling and to your heart in order to know your original source creator. For this is the way. It is designed it is nestled deep within all of you. And all that is required is a commitment to rediscover it and unravel it, this gift within you, this treasure that awakens you and redirects you into life lived in grace, life lived in truth, 
joy, abundance, not based on the world value system, but on a universal value system. This is perhaps difficult to understand at this point, but you will feel it and you will know and you will remember all of it if you choose. Consciously choose to redirect your evolution now. Most of you do not realize the power of your intentions and your choices when said with feeling, when said while vibrating with your own heart. The more that you do this, the more accelerated this shift will be into the truth. We do not need to name it dimensions. We do not need to bring in cosmic characters in order to do this. We do not need to bring in anything other than your direct connection to your source. Following this, you may explore and put the pieces together and even look back, some of you, to see and appreciate what humanity moved through. So when you cry out in these times, cry out for the restoration of your consciousness. Cry out in this direction, it will be answered. We cannot stress enough the importance that you realize how powerful you are. For this is the power that you have given away unknowingly. Now you may knowingly reclaim it. Be willing to feel and it will all make sense. The confusion lifted when enough of you stop deferring to the world as you've known it and to embrace the recreation of yourselves and your world, trusting in this love that is at the root of who you are. Thank you for spending time with me again, and many thanks for Eduardo's input and the added viewpoint of the Mayan elders he studied with. Pertinent links will be listed in the show notes below, my website, how to contact me, and other bits and pieces that I have scattered across the internet. Remember, you are loved. You are love. And there's a really important purpose for you being here now. Welcome home. Found myself scanning the sky Looking for the sources of love